Our children did an amazing job of uh, what we here aspire to do, and that is to be a place of extravagant welcome. So much so, I don't know if many of you got one of these bulletins on the way in, but even down to the very bulletin was the intent to make this a place of extravagant welcome. You will notice that the front cover was designed by one of our kids. Elliot Migliazzo did this. Yeah, little... And uh, also created a little bit of an adventure because there's a hidden Pokemon in there too <laughs> that he kind of slid in. So check it out. You don't want to miss that. Uh, but they did a fabulous job of uh, welcoming all of us this morning and reminding us of the incredible miracles of Jesus and uh, most significantly, uh, the resurrection. And uh, if you notice Cole, right at the very beginning when he welcomed us, he did what is often known as one of those traditional Easter greetings with he is risen, he is risen indeed. And uh, I think sometimes we say that phrase year after year after year, and uh, we kind of maybe lose sight of the significance and the meaning of the phrase. Uh, when things become tradition or become habit, sometimes we uh, overlook truth or subtle things go unnoticed. So when you say, he is risen, and maybe it occurs to you to think that why in arguably one of the most important climatic moments in all of the Gospels and in all of the world, would the writers of Scripture use incorrect grammar? Like, why? Why is that happening at a most pivotal moment, right? So the text reads like this, He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. What about has risen? Like it happened, right? Like there was a thing and it happened and he has risen. You know, simple verb participle agreement, right? But the truth is he has risen and Jesus also is risen, and both verbs have huge implications for what the resurrection means in our lives. And what we want to do in a moment is consider that. But before that, any talk of Easter Sunday has to mention the events of Friday. Many of us were together in this place on Friday. We shared a service here in this sanctuary. It was quiet. It was somber. The space was lit primarily just by candles. And rather than the typical smiles and laughters that usually fill this place as we exit after a benediction, we left in silence. We left carrying the weight, the gravity, the reality of the cross of Christ. The service was fully reflective on the atoning death of Jesus Christ. And even though we, sitting in this space, knew that there is more to the story after Jesus says it is finished with his last breath, we allowed ourselves to be present with his death in the same way that maybe his followers were on that Friday 2,000 years ago. Death is an inescapable reality. Each of us, to varying degrees, has experienced its pain, experienced its confusion. This is a necessary part of human existence but we know that death does not have the final word in the kingdom of God. How many people have ever walked through a recently burned forest or maybe driven through one? 
before. Raise your hand. Okay, so some of us have this experience. It's a strange thing to see a lifeless forest. Everything is charred and black, and the forest floor is dusty. The trees are brittle. To see something this large and once vibrant in that state is a sobering reminder of the devastation of death. But there is oftentimes more going on than what we can see. The reality of that burned and seemingly dead forest is that it's only in that state that new life can begin. And in that way, death is necessary. So we're doing just a, a very quick science instruction right here. Has anybody heard of a serotonous cone? Nobody. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I think Gary in the back has heard of this. This is great. So we get to educate ourselves a little bit this morning. There, in some pine species, pine, uh, pine trees, they have developed this very hard and thick cone that is literally sealed shut with a resin. And these cones will hang on pine trees for years with mature seeds within. They're encapsulated in this cone. They cannot come out because this resin has literally glued them shut inside. And it is only with the heat and the intensity of a forest fire that the cone is able to drop to the forest floor and the resin is melted off of the cone, therefore exposing this mature seed that can then fall into the ground and germinate and begin new life. In speaking about his own death, Jesus speaks kind of to this idea when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. John 12, 24. While our view is often focused on the death of the forest, what we cannot see is the enduring and patient power of new life that is already happening. Death, although we may not fully understand, is the necessary precursor to new life. In and through these opposite realities, our God is present and working. Franciscan sister Ilya Leo writes this, Christianity can help us realize that death and resurrection are part of the evolutionary path toward wholeness. Letting go of isolated existence for the sake of deeper union. Something dies, but something new is born, which is why the chaos of our times is, in a strange way, a sign of hope. Something new is being born within. Out of chaos, a star is born. Breakdown can be breakthrough if we recognize a new pattern of life struggling to emerge. While we reflected on his death on Friday, what we celebrate this morning is the new life given through the present risenness of our Lord. And Kevin and I want to take just a few moments this morning to consider the implications of a present resurrection. See, when the church speaks of resurrection, it often speaks of two resurrections. It speaks of a past tense resurrection, one that we celebrate this morning where we reflect back on the life of Jesus and the physical resurrection. Or we discuss and talk about the future and anticipated or expected resurrection at the end of all time. And those become the two primary ways we focus on resurrection, both past and future. 
But rarely does the church speak to the idea of the present risenness of Jesus. So most of the time, even when we speak of Jesus, we speak of a living, alive, resurrected Jesus in past tense, as if dead, as if once was, but not present and alive and here. But Jesus is alive and he is risen, and that living Jesus has massive implications. I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like we desperately need the present tense of a resurrection. We need a Jesus who remains in a state of being risen. In fact, I think Russ and I would both go as far as to say that Easter faith is believing that the power of the resurrection also exists in this moment. That God can bring resurrection and newness to your life right now, to our life in this moment. Perhaps if we truly believed that, if we believed that our Lord was alive and present in this moment, many of us might be acting differently. But too often, our focus is on the past or the future resurrection. And it means that some of us believe that maybe in the end, life will be different, or that things might be able to change, or that the power of the gospel will be present someday off in the future that someday it might change, that maybe you doubt your marriage could ever actually get better until a future time. Maybe you doubt that your loneliness will ever be able to change, or that you doubt that your financial or relational situation will ever be altered. Resurrection is good for the future, but what does it actually mean now? Ronald Rollheiser says this, The resurrection is not only about your body being raised up at the end of time, it is also, and something, and sometimes especially about being raised for the many seemingly hopeless tombs within which you so often find yourself entrapped. To believe in the resurrection is to believe that there is not a grave of any kind that can hold you. To believe in the resurrection is to believe that nothing is impossible for God and thus impossible for you either, even today, even right here and now. The truth is, I don't know if I always believe that last sentence, that the resurrection means nothing is impossible for God, but also nothing is impossible for me right here, right now, in this moment. That the same power that is available that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is available to us. That's staggering. That means that we believe that life can come out of death. That means that we believe that light can shatter the darkness. We believe in the impossible. We believe that resurrection isn't something that just happened, but it is something that continues to happen. And I'm convinced that there are many churches that just celebrate Easter. But I actually believe it's our calling to live Easter, to have our lives be a very example that is more proof of the resurrection than even an empty tomb. That every single day, the way we live can demonstrate again and again and again that resurrection is true and that resurrection is present. And that present resurrection means that what we do with our lives actually matters. What we do in the present matters and has significant implications. 
And this morning and this year ahead, we want to invite you and ourselves to practice resurrection, to practice it on a regular basis, to lean into the power in the certainty of the present risenness of Jesus. So let's get practical this morning, right? So here are a few suggestions around this idea of practicing resurrection. And while some might require movement in your life, I think many of these things are things that you're probably already doing. But now we get to frame it around this idea of the present risenness of Christ's work in our lives. So here we go. New community. When you regularly pray for God to do miracles, you are practicing resurrection. Every time you forgive someone, another resurrection is happening. Every time you accept God's grace in your life, you are participating in your own resurrection. Your little acts of kindness, the way that you welcome guests with graciousness, all of that sets the table of hospitality and the welcome of the resurrection. Not living in the past and dwelling on that, not wondering and only thinking about the future, but living in the present moment is a way to affirm your belief in the resurrection. Your work and our work collectively for justice and freedom and equality, us being able to speak truth to power, all of that sets the stage for resurrection. When you practice gratitude and refuse to take things for granted, and when you can laugh, when you can sing, when you can relish in life, you are practicing resurrection. Whenever you, with compassion, open your heart to the pain of the world, bringing hope to someone in despair and bring healing to those in conflict, you are contributing to the ongoing resurrection of Jesus. Practicing resurrection also means having confidence that God can redeem something out of your selfishness, out of your anger, out of your greed, out of your hatred, out of any other of those shadow qualities in our lives. When you cultivate making connections, when you love your neighbor, when you work to make the walls of separation come crashing down, when you practice unity... New life can spring up out of the rubble as a sign of the resurrection. When you add even a small portion of joy to the lives of those around you, and every time you bring to someone else's life a sense of wonder and affirm that we are all standing on holy ground, you bring resurrection into our community. So new community... Our challenge this Easter morning is to practice resurrection, not just today, but all year long. I want to end with this quote by Brendan Manning. He makes this statement about the present risenness of Jesus. If the central saving act of Christian faith is relegated to the future with the fervent hope that Christ's resurrection is a pledge of our own and that one day we shall reign with him in glory, then the risen one is pushed safely out of the present, limiting the resurrection either to the past or to the future, makes the present risenness of Jesus largely irrelevant, safeguards us from interference with the ordinary rounds 
in daily routine of our lives and preempts communion now with Jesus as a living person. Let me close this in prayer as we will stand to sing one final song. New community. As we celebrate Christ's resurrection this weekend, meditate on this glorious thought. The resurrected Christ is alive in our world right now. The living Christ lives in you and me today. The same power that was available to Jesus is available to you and to me through the Spirit. And this same Lord, Jesus Christ, lives his resurrection life through you. Walk today in the present risenness of Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.